I'm Ted Baker in the studio, and this is the Hobart Soccer Podcast, Episode 1, celebrating 70 years of Statesman Soccer. I'm joined in the studio by Head Coach Sean Griffin. Coach, great to have you here, and great to talk 70 years of Hobart Soccer. Great to be here, Ted. I couldn't be more excited, especially with the gentleman we have with us today. Yeah, now we have two people who have been big parts of this program and all Hobart Athletics, both on and off the field. So introduce our guests on the telephone. I would love to. So we are uh, on the line today with Ralph Pica, a member of uh, Hobart Class of 1956, who was uh, the soccer program on the first team in 1953, and uh, ironically scored the very first goal in Hobart soccer history. Also with us is... Uh, Hobart and William Smith Honorary Trustee Tommy Poole. Tommy was a member of the 1961 season, and he, which he captained. Uh, and the 1960 team that ended the season 6-1-1. One and, one. and I'm thrilled to have both of these gentlemen with us. And uh, guys, thanks so much for being with us. Happy to be here. It's an honor. It's great to have you both here. I want to start a little bit first with you, Coach. Uh, what are you doing in the program this year to mark 70 years? So a number of things, actually. Actually, coming up here uh, on October 7th, we have our Soccer Alumni Weekend in which we bring our alums back. There's uh, been a golf tournament in the years past. Uh, this year, the number's a little low, but um, we're hoping to get some, some younger golfers on the, on, the, on the links here soon to, to fill those pods. And then we'll have our alumni game, which will happen uh, at 10 a.m. on Saturday before our game with Vassar. And then prior to the game, we have the traditional the North End of Cousins uh, alumni tailgate, followed by a gathering post-game where, with our alumni and, and uh, parents and, and families and friends. You had a tough start to this season, uh, playing a very good schedule, but you got uh, your first Liberty League win under your belts. Uh, how do you think you're looking? Yeah, well, you know, i tell you, I mean, some people would probably think I'm a little crazy, but uh, I have a lot of pride in our program and our teams, and for years we you know, we like to say iron sharpens iron, and uh, if you you can't you can't beat the good teams unless you play them. And this, ironically, this past year, uh, Mary Washington was number one in the country, lost two one, very close game. Johns Hopkins was number seven, had a tough game with them as well. University of Rochester was number seven, and um, we just really had a, a really you know tough go. But kids are good; they're working hard. We got our first one in the league the other day, and. That's why this schedule is built, to be honest with you. Uh, we, and we have a very big, important game coming up this Wednesday at Ithaca. You've been here since 2000. What is it about this school? Coaches come, they stay for a long time. There's a real off-the-field family that we'll talk about during this conversation. The coaches seem to really get along well with each other and, and play off of each other. So what is it about Hobart that makes it this special place that people want to come and never leave? Right. Uh, that's a fantastic question. And I can, you know... I, on my behalf, it, it's all about the people, about the families, about the kids, and the support. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm from New England, from New Hampshire, and uh, you know I'd heard of Hobart College with their lacrosse success over the years. And when, when I applied for the job 23 years ago, my wife and I were very excited about the opportunity. But when we got out here, it was really just so beautiful, the Finger Lakes area. But the colleges themselves, I mean, this is, the, this is a true story. When we arrived... We played in the outfield of a baseball field. Uh, I can still see second base on the soccer field, which was the old alumni field. Our practice field was uh, right in front of Bristol Gym, where Stern Hall is. We had one bag of balls. We had one set of Adidas uniforms. It was really, uh, you know, the potential was tremendous, um, but we had work to do. And now when you, when you look around at the program, and by the way, everybody wanted to play us 
uh, 20 years ago. It's getting more and more difficult to find teams that want to play us, but what I'm getting at is the facilities that we have here are some of the best in the entire country at the Division Three level. Um, as you can, and we'll talk a little bit later about the, the Dome, but yeah. Cousins Field, the locker room, uh, RFK, um, Boswell Field, McCooey, we literally did not have a, a, an artificial surface 20 years ago, and we just had to find a place to play. So tell us how you did the research about the very first team in 1953 and how you found Ralph Pika, class of 56, and found out about the first goal in program history. Well, I, you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, a, I, I, I'm a big history guy. I, I think, uh, you know, history is should never be forgotten. And our program over the years, I, you know, when I got here, we'd never had an alumni game. And I think partly it was because the coach was part-time. Well, when I came, but then there was Ray DeMuth and – all great people, and um, I ended up basically trying to just do some research and figure out, you know, so the first thing I did, I had lunch with Ray DeMuth, I had lunch with Willie Steinrotter, uh, and then I just started digging back. You know, I needed I needed data, I needed things, and um, Ray DeMuth handed me, I still have it, 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 this little, like, five-by-seven leather-cover notebook that has handwritten every single season every single game and every single score. And I just happened to open the first page and, and Ralph's name was there. Uh, and then I became friends with Ralph. Um, I used to work out at Stanford University in the summers at camps. I had, I had lunch with him at one point there. And, you know, I just started peeling back layers. And, and, and we had the 1960, um, Tommy's team was inducted in the, as a team of distinction. So I got a chance to meet guys like John Adams and then got guys like Arnold Wittig. These are guys that, you know, I've very close friends of mine now that uh, had I, had we not invited alums back and created our, our very first alumni event was one alum showed up. I'll never forget it. And, and last year we had 75. Wow. So Ralph Peake, a class of 1956. So tell us how you became aware of Hobart College and what made you decide to further your education and play soccer there? Well, I was from Rochester, New York, and uh, went to John Marshall High School. And we had uh, quite a soccer team there. We had won 32 straight matches in my sophomore, junior, and senior year, and we won two Section 5 championships. So soccer was a big part of my life at that time. And uh, I had a uh, history teacher who had graduated from Hobart, and there were, there were, uh, he was promoting Hobart with me and two other fellows. Lenny DeFrancisco and uh, Ray, uh, Frank Rayforth. So <clears throat> he put us in touch with Spike Garnish, who was the basketball and soccer coach, I mean uh, baseball coach <laughs> at the time. And uh, we ended up going to sub-freshman week, and uh, we fell in love with the campus. And we were fortunate enough to get a little financial help, which uh, didn't uh, hurt at all. We needed that. And uh, so we ended up at Hobart, and we really went there to play basketball and baseball. That was our two sports that we really wanted to play, but we missed playing soccer. So we mentioned to to, uh, Spike one day, we said, gee, how come we can't get a soccer team here? And lo and behold, the next season, in our sophomore year, Ray Ray DeMuth showed up. So (laughs) that's how it started. And we played, uh, we had quite a, 
a good nucleus of players, uh, the three of us from Marshall, and then we had some other guys that uh, were from Long Island and uh, the New York, New York area, and we put together a pretty good little team, And we, but we played JV teams to begin with, and that's how it started. You went 1-2-1 one, one in 1953. Do you remember who those opponents were that you played? Well, they were the, you know, Ithaca, St. Lawrence, those kind of teams, but we played their JV teams. You know, you, uh, Rensselaer, right. uh, you know, those, the, the same teams that, you know, that Hobart played uh, baseball against and, and basketball, but we played their, their JV teams. We always hear when we talk with the old lacrosse guys from the championship days in the 80s how much the games changed. What was the game of soccer like in 1953? Was it, was it rougher, tougher? How, how did you play? It was. Uh, we played. Uh, we were. We played a pretty tough, uh, long passing game <laughs> that I recall. Uh, it's not the same game that uh, that you see today, but uh, it was a lot of fun. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, what do you remember about that first goal in 1953, 70 years ago? Well, to tell you the truth, I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that my job was to score. Because I played left inside, that's what we called it in those days, anyway. And I did pretty well. I think I scored six goals that first year. I do remember that, and uh, and then I remember being captain as my senior year. That that's about it. Thomas Poole, class of '61. Uh, we're going to talk to him a lot about facilities. Of course, the Poole Family Dome. Uh, same question: What brought you to Hobart to play soccer a few years later? Oh my. I didn't come to Hobart to play soccer. I had gone to prep prep school in New England, and uh, I was looking to uh, uh, stay in the East uh, to go to college, but uh, I wasn't the best student, uh, and everybody suggested I I go to some school in Ohio, uh, but... Um, the headmaster of the school told me to apply to a little school by the name of Hobart, and uh, I did, um, and I was fortunate enough that the uh, Glenwood was the uh, admissions officer, and uh, he snuck me in, <laughs> and um, uh, when I got there, um, I w- I was little but uh, scrappy and wanted to play football. I lasted one day on the football field. <laughs> and uh, I then went and saw Coach Ray DeMuth. And I said, Ray, uh, uh, I'd like to try out for soccer. I've never played before. But um, if you were willing to let me try, I would. And, um, I ended up playing for four years at Hobart. And then um, Ray was the freshman lacrosse coach, and he would take anybody that looked like an athlete and uh, invite him to play freshman lacrosse. And lacrosse was another game that I had never played. And I played uh, lacrosse at the time that I went uh, you weren't allowed to play varsity soccer, I mean lacrosse. So I played freshman lacrosse, and then I played lacrosse for three years. So 
I played two sports at Hobart uh, that I had never played before, but I think that was what uh, really uh, stuck out in my mind that uh, you could be an athlete and get a chance. And I think today um, that's probably not what it's like being an athlete because athletes seem to me to play one sport and uh, um, it takes up so much of their time that they don't get the opportunity to play both. But I was one of the lucky ones. And uh, so that's how I got to Hobart. What was the student experience and student athlete experience like for you in the late 50s and early 60s? Oh, it, it, Hobart turned out to be a, a special school. Um, um, everybody was your friend. Um, I can remember time and time again, I was a member of a fraternity. And on Fridays and Saturdays, uh, that's where the social life was. And I can remember walking down the street with Coach Ray DeMuth and, and other coaches as well as uh, professors um, just um, hopping from uh, one uh, fraternity to the other or going to a social event held on campus. And it was just, it was a camaraderie that um, I didn't expect, uh, but appreciated greatly. And uh, um, it, it just was amazing to me that um, uh, the, the relationship you had with your fellow students, uh, with uh, uh, the professors. Of course, we had William Smith there, so they were always a part of our uh, social life. And uh, I even had the opportunity to be very friendly with some of the trustees, especially the ones that uh, were then involved with uh, Hobart William Smith Athletics. I want to talk to you both about your post college careers, Mr. Peaky. You both served in the military. Mr. Peaky, you went into the military. Uh, you made your uh, career in finance and the uh, financial field. Tell us about your post-Hobart life and, and how Hobart, your education, served you in that life. Well, I was uh, drafted into the Army. In those days, we had to spend two years in the service. And uh, I w went, spent uh, 18 months in Korea which was quite an experience. Uh, fortunately, the war was over at the time, but uh, I was uh, in the uh, 24th Infantry and then the uh, 1st Cavalry Division Artillery Headquarters. And so I, I, I actually um, married a gal from Geneva who was still my wife, 67 years. Congratulations. <laughs> And uh, so when I came back out of the service, I uh, was looking for a job. We, uh, we, we had been married. We were married before I went into the service. And, we're, and as a result, uh, I had to, you know, get a job. So I went back to the Hobart placement office, and they put me in touch with Bill Scanling. Uh, 
which is a name everybody knows at Hobart. And uh, I had worked for my meals for four years for Saga when I was at Hobart. That was part of the financial aid package I had. And uh, Bill hired me and uh, sent me to John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio for training. And I spent 28 years with Saga and uh, I became president of two of their divisions over that time. And uh, later on in, uh, after that, uh, my son and I had a chance to start a uh, mortgage company, which we did, called Provident Funding. And uh, I'm happy to say that turned out to be a successful uh, venture. And Bill Scanling was one of our investors. And uh, that company is still viable today. My son is the, the CEO and running it, and it's done very well. And so I'm very proud of that. Mr. Poole, tell us about your time in the Navy and then your career in the construction field. Um, I, I went into the Navy because I didn't want to go into the family business. <laughs> um, and yet my father, um, um, I, I, I think... He was the greatest flag waver that ever uh, lived, and I felt that I could appease him by going into the Navy because he had served in the Second World War. So I went uh, into the Navy. I went to OCS. Then I went to supply school at the University of Georgia um, uh, and uh, came out of supply school and was assigned uh, to a destroyer, uh, and four days after I graduated, I was married, and I can't keep up with uh, uh, Ralph, Ralph's uh, 67 years, but I've been married to the same woman for 61. And <laughs> wow. Congrats. I, I, um, I then... Um, um, reported for duty in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. And as our ship was returning to Norfolk, um, we got a um, emergency message that we were to return to Cuba uh, to form the uh, blockade um, uh, to keep the Russian submarines out. And I'm proud to tell you I was on the destroyer that raised the Russian submarine that we later learned 50 years later that had the atomic war head on it. Um, and I was young, so uh, to be a little risque, uh, at 21, I'm sure I had a few brown spots in my underwear. But, uh, <laughs> uh, it was, it was uh, an experience that I'll never forget, and I hope the world never forgets how close we came to a uh, nuclear uh, war. And then I uh, finished my duty in uh, Newport, and the Navy made me grow up and realize that uh, my family had a business and I had an obligation to the family to... Uh, go into it, which I did, um, and um, uh, in 1973, when my father died suddenly, 
Um, uh, I took over as president and chief executive officer, and I built the $20 million business into a $500 million company, and I recently sold it uh, to a major construction uh, Fortune 100 company, but um, I did it the way I wanted to do it. I I sold it so that uh, the group that I had put together, including my son, which at the time I sold it, was the president and chief executive officer. We now work uh, for the, the uh, major company, but as an independent, uh, that's how they operate all their companies. So the same group that I left three years ago is running it and growing it. And the, uh, the, the uh, Quanta Services, which owns this, is uh, growing by leaps and bounds. And so everything that you dream of, uh, in that, especially when they drag you to the uh, table to sign um, off a business that you've been doing for over 60 years is tough, but um, it was the right thing to do. And uh, now I'm busier than ever with uh, uh, foundations and uh, um, uh, getting to understand uh, that I can live with a woman on a daily basis. <laughs> your, your name is known to everyone involved in HWS Athletics through your leadership on the board and, of course, through the Pool Family Sports Dome. The first time we all walked in, we just said, wow, this is a facility like the big-time schools have. How did that come about? Did the school approach you about facilities needs, or did you say, look, I want to make a donation? Tell us how the Pool Family Sports Dome came to be. Well, Ted, you know that I've always been involved with um, Hobart, uh, William Smith. Um, I knew, uh, Ralph, I knew uh, Bill Scanling as a student. And then um, uh, when I was invited to go on the board, uh, he kind of became my mentor. And uh, um, I was always... Um, uh, on the board as buildings and grounds chairman. And um, so um, I take credit along with Tom Bazzuto for being uh, um, the one that um, created many of the uh, pluses um, on the, uh, the building side of uh, Hobart's great college, um, and it was funny. I I uh, helped uh, recruit uh, Bert McCooey, uh, and that's how we got McCooey Field. Uh, and um, as you know, Ted, I did the admissions office because I thought that was the doorway to uh, uh, our success, and it was uh, at that time. Um, Mark Guerin's dream. Uh, so my wife and I did that. And then as I watched athletics 
grow and become so important to the admissions um, uh, success of the colleges that um, I promised the coaches one day we were having dinner, all of us, and I, I said, what's the one thing missing? And I think between uh, um, I think between the lacrosse coach and our soccer coach that is on this uh, uh, call, who I love, where if we we talked about the need for um, uh, an area where we could practice and maybe play games uh, during the tough winters and that it would alleviate um, the, the, the problems that were arising uh, uh, in our other facilities. Uh, so um, I mentioned to Mark Aaron one day that we ought to have a dome. And uh, uh, he said, why don't you chair it? Um, and I did, and I got some of the great athletes of uh, uh, the past to join me. And then uh, Mary Jane and I decided that we would fund it. And uh, that's how it came to be. And from all reports, uh, it's working out pretty well. It is. And on behalf of everyone associated with HWS Athletics, thank you for that generous donation, your leadership, and coach, you know a big part of recruiting is facilities. I mean, you make an impression when kids have come on campus, they see that practice facility and what's become a game facility for the lacrosse teams early in the season, and they're impressed. Yeah, we, it's on our tour, right? I mean, the facilities, we start on campus, but we always finish uh, in the pool family dome. And the, one of the most exciting moments in, in, at that time when we bring families in there is uh, I like to walk across and, and snap the light on, and it's like it's like Hollywood. I mean, the lights come on, you know. It's and the kids literally. Ted, you said wow. Almost every family that that's the first word out of their mouth is wow. And uh, we are so grateful. Matter of fact, we're we're at Clarkson next Saturday. This this coming Saturday, and um, we'll train inside the dome to be on the turf. That we have a facility that matches the, our game facility this weekend. I want to talk about the the Hobart family and and both of you your, your long involvement. I'll start with you, Mr. Pika. Just what made you decide that you wanted to stay involved? Some graduates they get their degree, they go about their lives. What made you decide to stay involved with the school and and lend your leadership to the school's efforts? Well, I think it was my connection to Bill Scanling. Uh, for the most part, he. Uh, I did lose a little um, connection there uh, when, in our early days, right after uh, I returned from the service. I, you know, I was we had three kids and I was working. I didn't have a lot of time to worry about Hobart at that time. But uh, later on, uh, when Mark Garin arrived, uh, Bill put me in touch with uh, Mark, and uh, we we started a friendship, and I uh, kind of renewed my ties to Hobart. And, uh, of course, my wife being from Geneva, we, w we would go back to Geneva, you know, to visit quite often. So, you know, Hobart and Geneva has always been special for me. And uh, 
that's that's kind of what we did and you know we helped out as much as we could we we uh, did, we funded a scholarship program for internships uh we we certainly didn't do as much as Tommy's done I'll tell you that, that that's fantastic and uh that's really how uh, we stayed in touch and of course Mr. Poole you've been a part of the board for a long time so you've had a chance to shape the direction of the school both academically and athletically uh, I'm not sure I shaped it academically, but uh, 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 I like the uh, the compliment. Um, you know, um, uh, I've always, when I graduated, I always felt, and this is probably some family upbringing, that those that serve you well should be served by you as much as you can. And I, I just felt that um, I grow that Hobart gave me the opportunities that most colleges wouldn't. I mean, what person could ever walk on a campus today and be a walk-on and end up playing both sports for their entire uh, four years at a college? Um, uh, I thought that my progression as a student uh, was due to uh, the professors and the attitude that they pervade throughout the, uh, 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 the institution for all students. We will make you better by the time you uh, uh, graduate. And they did. And uh, uh, I, I felt that um, if and when the opportunity, and like Ralph, you know, when you graduate, you're you're pretty busy. Uh, I, I have four wonderful kids uh, that have given me uh, ten grandchildren, and I now have a great grandchild. Uh, but they they are a responsibility. Uh, the company was having its problems when I took it over, but um, I, I think Mike Hanna had a lot to do with me getting. Uh, started back at Hobart, and uh, I went on the SAA board there uh, and uh, tried to do as much as I could for them. And, you know, by being president of the SAA, you, you get to know the coaches, uh, both on the William Smith side and the Hobart side, and they're the best at any Division three school in the country. Uh, and they make student athletes better, uh, and that 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 awed me that uh, uh, they took the responsibility as head coach and understood that we were all student athletes and that we needed counseling, we needed uh, structure. And uh, nobody does it better than the athletic department of the two schools. And I was invited uh, by Tom Nelly uh, to go on the board. Um, and I served on the board for 30 years. Um, uh, I, I think my claim to fame is that I chaired the uh, <clears throat> presidential search committee. <laughs> that 
brought Mark Buren to the colleges, and I think that there can be no one um, that's ever questioned that says that Mark wasn't one of the greatest assets that uh, uh, the colleges has ever had as its leader. So I'm very proud of that, and I, I, I love the students, um, uh, and uh, um, that's the story of um, how fortunate I was to be asked to get on the board, and then the, the people I met there, the people I worked with, uh, the growth of the institution, um, you know, when I look in the mirror, I can be pretty proud of what I did as a trustee at Hobart William Smith. Coach Griffin, I want to follow up on that with you because they what they just said is what it's all about. It's wins and losses. Liberty League titles are great. But to me, I would think the most rewarding thing as a coach is to see a guy come back 10 years later. He's a father. He's a figure in his community. He's a success in life. That's what it's all about. Well, Ted, we have... Uh... In, inside the pool family locker room, which is where Hobart soccer uh, calls itself home, we have a sign over our door that says Teammates for Life. And that's a slogan that we take very seriously. And I, I, I can't make it up. I was, you know, I got a text two days ago from a great player of mine, Alex Kittleberger, uh, welcoming yeah. his, his newest daughter who's going to be the next center midfielder for William Smith, he said. <laughs> Although his wife is a St. Lawrence alum, so <laughs> you know, I, I think she's going to wear green. But, well, but, but I've been at so many weddings. Uh, if I've, they tour St. Lawrence in the winter, they'll come here. <laughs> and, and if they want to win, they'll come here. Right? <laughs> so, but I, I really, you know, it is about the relationships. It truly is. And, uh, you know, we just, I mean, truth be told, it's what everything is all about here at HWS. It's about the people. I, I'm, I mean, I've been here for 23 years. I recruit great families. And the number of alums, though, that I get text messages from and that I get pictures from, and I, I think, you know, they've got to do a better job. Of, like, There's a lot of fall weddings that I can't make, <laughs> you know. But I, I did make Alex Kittleberg is actually this, uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, Ruben Burks this summer. And I don't know, it's... You know, it's for me, it's the greatest part of being a coach. I, yeah, I want to win Liberty League championships. I want to, you know, knock off great teams. And, and that's our goal every year is to try to be the very best. But uh, at the end of the day, when I hang my hat on it, you know, it's the people that I've been able to be surrounded with, like Ralph and Tommy, not just the guys I coached, you know, those, those guys. And we have a group of guys from the 70s that are very active uh, that come back every year. And they're coming from Chicago. They're coming from Boston. And, um, so, uh, yeah, I think teammates for life is the best way to summarize it. Before we wrap up, uh, what words would you like to share with these gentlemen? I can't thank uh, both of them enough for first and foremost for their friendship. Uh, I first met Ralph in person out out in California when I worked at Stanford camps, and we went to lunch. and And I, he, when he's been back on campus, he always stops by to say hello. and And uh, I can't be more thankful for that relationship. And and Tommy's been for me like a second father and. I will get, you know, I, just the support he's given all of us here. And I, I enjoy, I don't get to see him as much as I'd like to because he's a busy guy. But when I do, it's a, it's a highlight of my year. And um, thanks so much to the both of you for just doing all that you do for everybody at HWS. We, uh, we would not be where we are today without, without either of you. So how many years have you been married, Coach? 
Oh, good question. Number 30. I'm only- All right, 30 for you, 32 for <laughs> no, me. No, so. no pop qu- questions like pop quiz. <laughs> Add the two of us together, and we still come up short of each of these guys. So, <laughs> Coach yeah, Sean Griffin. Amazing, isn't it? Oh, it man. sure is. Coach Sean Griffin, Hobart Soccer, Ralph Pika, class of 56, member of the first team, uh, Thomas B. Poole, class of 61, and, of course, uh, namesake of the Poole Family Sports Dome. Uh, this is the most fun I've had in a long time. Thank you, gentlemen, for a great conversation. Thank you, Ted. Thank you.